Is this how we're starting? <laughs> you gotta put your glasses on over the mask. Yep. Oh, no. Alright. This is what we're doing. This is how we're starting. Yep. <laughs> no offense, but I think everyone would figure out that you're a Batman if that's how you were dressed up. I know, the glasses are like... It just... It, it's... Yeah. This is what I have to deal with. And I'm okay with it. <laughs> yep. Hello, interwebs, and welcome to Close Up. I'm your co-host, Joe. And I'm Ryan. And today, we're going to give our reviews of The Batman. Plus discuss the new trailer for Kenobi on Disney+. Plus. If you're only here for The Batman, just keep listening. If you want the bits on Kenobi, you can skip to... You will be forced to stay. <laughs> you will be forced to stay and listen to this whole thing. For our Kenobi discussion, skip ahead to the 1 hour, 26 second mark. Here's your upfront warning. This discussion on The Batman contains full spoilers for the film, and our Kenobi trailer talk will also include elements of the series openly discussed by its creators, so you've been warned. We're going to forego the typical extreme long shot where we normally explain how we first became fans of Batman. Save that for a more in-depth discussion on the character. So we're going to zoom into our medium shot now. And I'm going to take this thing off first. <laughs> it's uncomfortable, isn't it? <laughs> Just doing Batman year one. It was me, uh, did you man. know? Did you know? <laughs> did you know it was me? Joe, that was you? Yeah. You're Batman? Yeah, I introduced myself... I thought it was Bruce Wayne. <laughs> I thought it was Bruce Wayne because that obvious, like, depressed guy who saved that kid at the funeral yeah. had the same stature as Batman. <laughs> okay, so our medium shot's gonna start with what were our expectations for the Batman before we got into theaters and watched the film? To be honest, I wasn't expecting much from it until I saw the first trailer. And then my friend told me it was from Matt Reeves. Shout out, Eric. And then I thought, okay, this better be great. Because I love the Planet of the Apes franchise, the, the reboot one that Matt Reeves did. Mm -hmm. And when he beats up that thug in the trailer, it's just so brutal. I was like, I better see perfect reenactments. Mm -hmm. I better see more of that and not... The typical jump cutty fight stuff that you usually see in these action movies. And I expected a good detective story because we've gotten kind of some of it, but you know who you know who's done it. And in this one, to be fair, you do know who's doing the crime, but you just don't know why. And that's what's making it a good a really good detective story. And it's very different. It's more of a how can we catch him than a who done it. Yeah, so for me, my expectations were through the roof on this thing, to be honest, because, well, like you were saying, Matt Reeves is a great director. I, I'm a fan of his Planet of the Apes movies as well. And I just love the look of everything I saw in those trailers. The, the brutal violence, the I'm vengeance subverting my expectations for the classic I'm Batman line thrown in. Every Batman adaptation just 
the the cinematography looked gorgeous. The action, the gritty, down to earth. Robert Pattinson looked fantastic in the suit. I really also liked in early discussions of the film how they were talking about they're not going to show us an origin story. They're not going to show the Waynes being killed for the millionth time on screen. This is the this is Batman a couple years into his career. So I thought, oh, that's got real potential to hit the ground running here and not get bogged down by how did he become Batman? Why? We know why. The movie, before it even came out, I liked it because it trusted us to know what was happening. It wasn't holding mm-hmm. our hand. For sure. So that gave me confidence in it right away. And that was that. So those were our expectations for the Batman. And that brings us into our close-up. Let's discuss this thing. So, not only were my expectations met, but they were far exceeded. Especially for a three-hour movie where... This is kind of a joke review of the movie where I'm thinking it doesn't feel like a three hour movie, but it feels like a two and a half hour movie, which is <laughs> which is a good thing because I wanted like a if you're doing a not origin story and you're just trusting the audience to know who these characters are, you do need a longer runtime in order to establish these new actors in these roles. And everyone Everyone knocks it out of the park in terms of acting, in terms of how it's shot, in terms of the story. I honestly, I don't, I don't have a problem with anything in this movie except stuff that I would nitpick. And that's just because we have to nitpick because this is a, re- a review podcast. But other than that, you want to just I, nitpick now I, and get it out of the way? I enjoyed every step of the way. Yeah. Um, I didn't like how Alfred was only in, like, two scenes. I'm a huge fan of Andy Serkis, and I love seeing him... I love seeing him play of a more laid-back type of character, because he is that... He is a character actor, and I would love to see him in a mentor role. But for this, he was only in, like, two scenes, and... He's kind of like chat on by <laughs> by Robert Pattinson's Bruce Wayne. But obviously, spoiler alert, there's like a fake out with his death. And I thought, did they really just kill off Andy Serkis? I was about to leave. I was about to leave the theater. I was I really was, convinced they would kill off Alfred. I was so mad. Because he did seem less important in this version of the movie. I thought... Are they actually going here? I legitimately don't know. In every other Batman movie, it's pretty safe. Oh, you know, if if Michael Caine was about to get blown up, I'd think, okay, well, yeah, obviously you're just faking us out because you're not killing off this version of Alfred. But yeah, this one, I thought it created legitimate suspense because he wasn't as big a role before. But I didn't really have a problem with Alfred being a minor role in this movie just because... The part he did play, he played very well. He's the worried, I don't even want to say father figure to Bruce Wayne, because he's not really in this version, it seems like. He's no. more, just, more just his guardian. And, and he's pushing Robert Pattinson's Bruce Wayne to embrace his legacy as a Wayne. 
and not just be the Batman full-time. He also... And I was I was invested enough in this version of Alfred, and I think in the sequel, Alfred can get a bigger role, mm-hmm. which will discuss our expectations for sequels later. So even even that, like you said, it's it's a nitpick, but I enjoyed this version of Alfred for what we got of him. He made a good impact. Yeah, hundred percent agree with you there for what he whatever time he had. He used on it screen, well. he used it well, and when they, after his, I was almost going to say accident, it's not an accident, it's a murder attempt, after he almost dies, they ha- do have a heart-to-heart, um, but my only other, like, real nitpick would be, and I understand 100% why they did it, it's just for me, I wish they played up the Bruce Wayne aspect a little bit more. But I under I understand completely why they did it. It's his second year in. He, it's kind of the whole point of the movie is that yeah. Bat Batman is all consuming. It's all this guy wants to be. He doesn't know how to be Bruce Wayne because Bruce Wayne, the character, doesn't exist yet. He's mm-hmm. just the Batman. Yeah. And then maybe in a sequel, he'll find out that he needs that Bruce Wayne public persona, the billionaire playboy. Instead right. of just being broody all the time. But I think that was, I don't think it was an oversight at all. It was 100% intentional that mm-hmm. Matt Reeves and Robert Pattinson said, this is who Bruce Wayne is in this version. He's not the Playboy character yet. He's just not that guy. And we're just committing to that. Right. I would have, yeah, I, I 100% agree with you. I just love that the duality of it because yeah. growing up with the Christopher Nolan movies, you have Christian Bale who knocks it out of the park with Played being the, very well. the douchiest Bruce Wayne ever. <laughs> he like he'll buy hotels, he'll buy he'll buy like a restaurant and then go swimming in like the lobster tank with a bunch of models and then he'll go and save the world as Batman. Like that's the perfect <sighs> Bruce I lost Wayne my train of thought. Bruce yeah. Wayne alter perfect ego. I think that's he's the perfect Bruce Wayne on screen so far and I would have loved to see not that it had to be half and half but just a little bit of so when Robert Pattinson goes to the mayor's funeral he tries to he tries to play up the Bruce Wayne a little bit but I understand completely why he didn't because he is consumed by the Batman it's in the opening narration where for two years I've been doing this Every night, this has become my life. You can't even this keep is, track of the days and nights anymore. He's got to write. This is all I am. Write down. It all blurs together. So I understand perfectly why they did it. I just hope in the sequel that he yeah. tries. He doesn't even have to go full super turnaround. Was like, hey, I'm Bruce Wayne. Now I'm throwing cash. Just a little bit, just yeah. so he can like try to trick the people of Gotham. Because if I was a real detective. And I, and I was at the funeral paying attention. I go, hmm, a guy's got the same height as Batman. They, they both have the same type of energy in a way. And he did just randomly catch or go and save that child out of nowhere. I don't think a billionaire would do that. He's probably Batman. But you could also argue that Batman, 
even though he's been around for two years, he's still an urban legend. It's not like there's many people who've that's true. Who's seen him enough to say, oh, this guy's about the same height as Batman. Like, first of all, if you see Batman at all, you're not thinking about his height. You're scared out of your wits. 100%. The second thing is, if you see Batman, it's probably not even a detective or somebody who would know to be looking for that. Like, not somebody trying to make an ID necessarily. And Bruce Wayne, you could say he was just being a good Samaritan. I also didn't mind that he was brooding at the funeral, because funerals are somber places anyway. Oh, that's true. I didn't think of that. <laughs> I've heard people talk about the Bruce Wayne dichotomy before, but I never heard anyone so far mention that it was a funeral. It's not necessarily a place to be playing up that persona in the first place. Mm -hmm. So I, I did think if that was his only public outing as Bruce Wayne... It didn't take me out of it too much that he was but you right didn't there. think of that. But other, other than that, I have nothing but positives. So do you have any other nitpicky stuff or did you want to move on to the rest of the movie that we liked? Let me think. <laughs> do I have any nitpicks? Okay. So the only thing about the movie that I wasn't totally sold on is that at the end of the movie, when they're going to the Iceberg Lounge to arrest Falcone and they take him out and bring him under the spotlight and Riddler assassinates him. And then, you know, that scene, and then they arrest the penguin. And that seemed like just the fact that that was most of Selena's story as well. And Falcone is probably the guy who killed his parents and just everything about that Falcone storyline was tying up so nicely in that moment. And then I realized, oh, wait, they still haven't caught the Riddler yet. Are they going to go on for another half hour, 45 <laughs> minutes? Oh, man, this is still this. This feels like such a perfect ending. And now, oh, we're just at the end of the second act, aren't we? And then, yeah, the third act started to feel like it was. Now, I love the content of the third act. Don't get me wrong, but it did start to feel like it was dragging out somewhat after they caught Falcone because it seemed like such a good wrap up to the story of the movie mm -hmm. thus far and then i remember oh crap that they have this serial killer on the loose that they're trying to catch too they do catch him right after that scene though so you're just you're kind of just but like they, they catch him right after that scene but then there's the scene in the prison and then he yeah. blows up the thing and then he gets all his guys to try to shoot the mayor and everything and batman has to save the day there and it's like yeah they caught him soon after but there was way more after and that first of all, the blowing up the seawall is not on Riddler. It's an architectural failure. You're telling me you blow up seven walls around your city and your entire city's flooded? Come on now. I get it's Gotham and no one cares, but someone got paid for that. That's pretty bad. That's a joke nitpick, by the way. I don't. I don't <laughs> no, really get. No, that's, a, that's good. I never heard anyone bring that up. Also, I had I had a funny thought while watching it where sure. Riddler's hideout is right outside of the Iceberg Lounge. And in my brain, I'm going, well, of course it is. Why weren't they think to look like around the buildings? And then I had another thought five minutes later where I was like, to be honest, I didn't think of that either. Before they told me it was across the street. So didn't they also say in the movie that the Iceberg Lounge is out of GCPD jurisdiction or something like that? I thought they mentioned. Maybe. I don't know. Maybe. That that's why they don't 
tear down the iceberg lounge's walls and arrest everybody in there. You know, besides the fact that it is the darkest club I've ever seen in my life. I've been to two. <laughs> it is maybe that's just because of the f the lens on the filter, but it is a dark club. I don't know how people are dancing in there. The whole film was very dark. Oh yeah, maybe that's that's another nitpick. Actually, I thought as much as I love the the visual palette of the film, I did think mm -hmm. it was a little bit dark. I don't know how it's going to play on home video when even in the theaters, there were some bits I couldn't see, just physically see happening. That's the thing. Were you watching it like normally or AVX or how were you watching it? Just regular. Regular? Okay. Because I find with if you watch AVX, it significantly puts the film darker by like 10 20%. I rewatched Spider-Man uh, No Way Home with my brother when I went home to visit on Christmas and we had to get AVX tickets and I kept doing this I kept lifting my glasses up because the first time I watched it I didn't I just saw it regularly and then the second time out and then I asked my brother afterwards I was like it was pretty dark don't you think he was like yeah that's weird but it was all it's the glasses so maybe it's because we're getting old but back to the Batman yeah just a little dark for me but I think that was an intentional choice I the Batman's dark and brooding, so the color palette's dark and brooding. Mm -hmm. Like I said, no complaints about the color palette, but it was too... Just bump up the lighting just a little yeah. bit in some scenes. 100%. I think there's a lot of stuff to say that's good about this movie, but what is really great is how they make Batman so fearful. Like, you are afraid of this guy. I've never been afraid of an on-screen version of Batman because I always figured, oh, he's he's the hero, he's the guy I'm rooting for. But even, like, Mask of the Phantasm scared me as a child, and it still yeah. left some trauma. But it wasn't Batman. Hmm? But it wasn't Batman, it was the Phantasm. Yeah, but this movie, I was actually scared of Robert Pattinson's Batman. He's yeah. so imposing. And if anyone's played the Arkham games, there, I think in Arkham Knight, there's the opening where... There's a bunch of criminals looking down a dark alley and they see the light. And this happens again in this movie. And I don't know if Matt Reeves has said it, that he's drawn inspiration from the Arkham games. But this feels like an Arkham game come to life. And I love it. I love the Arkham games. Grew up playing them. Everyone shits on Origins, but it's actually pretty decent. That's true. Everyone fight's probably the best boss fight in the whole series. Yeah, it's perfect. And then they shit on it in Arkham Knight. But yeah. Arkham Knight's okay, too. Well, see, they, they did it. They shut on it in Arkham Knight because Origins did it so well, they couldn't top it. They didn't even try. Mm -hmm. They didn't even want to try. They couldn't try. Yeah, that's fine. It wasn't worth their effort. It was okay. Anyway, I mean, not they about Arkham. A tank battle, but... <sighs> rubber bullets. Anyway. <laughs> Those rubber bullets are going the speed of light. Still going to hurt. Oh, yeah. Anyway. I still love the game. Anyway. They're all good. But yeah, just his, his presence. This is what's so tough, and this is almost blasphemous saying this. So everyone put your pitchforks down. I honestly think Robert Pattinson is on the brink of becoming the best Batman ever on screen. Because just, just Batman alone. Because he has the presence of, of fear. That's what he is. Like The cops are afraid of him. The crooks are afraid of him. Even the new mayor elected at the end is afraid of him. You can see it a little bit. 
and he just does he just does so well with so little words and just his demeanor and how he just looks at people. Maybe it's the Nirvana song that plays 20 times throughout the movie that I see all over TikTok and it's hilarious. But he just does so well. That actually calls to mind something I wanted to say about the movie is I think calling this movie the Batman is a bold choice, but I think it's pretty accurate. Now, I don't know if this is the 100% best movie with Batman in it. I need to rewatch Mask of the Phantasm and Dark Knight to see (laughs) maybe they're better movies, but I think this is the best adaptation of the Batman character Mm. and his world. People haven't watched Mask of the Phantasm. You should. It's a great animated feature. It's based around the animated series canon. Or it's made by the same people and it's done very, very well. It's canon in that universe. Mm, gotcha. In the DCAU. Which we should talk about another time because th- that was my childhood. That's what got me into DC in the first place was... Yeah. So good. Yeah, like I said, calling it The Batman is bold going forward when i tell people yeah go see a a batman movie go see the batman movie yeah it's the best batman it just it distills the character everything i love about batman in the one tidy three-hour package just everything about Mm -hmm. the whole point of batman as a character is to take the trauma and the hardships life throws at you which cause fear and sometimes fear can cause you to hurt others to lash out to harm yourself even but batman is all about taking fear and hardship and turning it into a force for good and that's what this movie is all about he takes his fear and turn and uses it for vengeance and as he discovers later in the movie great moment vengeance isn't the best thing to embody because vengeance can be used for bad too Mm -hmm. but if he uses that fear to become a symbol for hope and for like i was saying to be to take the hardships of life and to be better from them that can inspire people to be better so the whole story, like everything I love about Batman as a character, his whole point, why he's been such an enduring character in pop culture is just, it's in this movie in droves. It's, like I said, it's the best adaptation of the Batman character and what he means to me I've ever seen. Yeah, there was a lot of moments where I said this to you last week. There wasn't a lot of like, where I would scream out loud and cheer, but there was a lot of fuck yeah moments yeah. where he, he does something. I don't know. It's just even little things when he takes his, his bat symbol off and cuts a rope and then like yeah. magnetically pops back on. I was like, fuck yeah, that's amazing. But it took me a while to really understand it because there's just so much to take in. But after the movie, when I went home and I talked about it with my friends, the ending is so perfect when that thug he beats up says that he's vengeance the same way the same way Batman did at the beginning and he has this realize realization that I can't just be vengeance. It's great because Oh sorry, you finish. You finish. Because it's just it's it's not going to work. People are going to see me the same as this guy. So what he does is goes down 
I don't know how strong he is, moves a crap ton of rubble and goes to save the people that are trapped under there. Another, like, small, good, great moment of the orphan from the beginning is the first one to be like, yes, I'll let you help me. And then the mayor does it. Mm-hmm. And then it's all these people following him behind a flare and it just looks beautiful. And that's that image is emblazoned in my mind. Yeah. That moment is when you realize, oh, this is where he becomes the Batman we all know instead of yeah. Batman just who's out for vengeance. So you go ahead. No, okay, what I was going to say to your point about the thug saying vengeance, I was kind of wondering throughout the movie, just using my critical eye of things, trying to think, at some point I thought, what is this movie about, really? Just trying mm. to put together the pieces. Like, what are the main themes they're trying to convey here? And then at the end, when that random Riddler thug said, I'm vengeance, I had the same realization moment as Batman in that moment. I'm like, oh, I, I, I get this movie now. Like, not that I wasn't enjoying it before, but I was looking for something yeah. to tie it all together. And that was it. That was the moment I thought, oh, crap. That's when it went from something really good to an outright masterpiece in my mind. Also, I, yeah, I don't know how that thug has any teeth left because he beats the shit out of him because he puts in like adrenaline or whatever. At first I thought because it was green, I was like, why does he have kryptonite juice? That's my first thought as a DC fan because I'm such a nerd. And he pumps it in and then he just goes to town on this one thug. We have to talk about the action. It's amazing. He's so brutal and he just he's a little bulletproof, which is like meh, but that's okay. You can get armor in the Arkham games. But he just he'll just beat people up. He'll take if they like throw a pipe at him, he'll take it back, throw it right back. He'll mm-hmm. it's just it's hard to explain how the sheer brutality the brutality is. You just have to go and watch it. If you oh, first of all, go watch it. I might go watch it again, who knows. I don't rewatch movies, but I might too. Yeah, it's just because the action's seamless. There's hardly any cuts. You understand what's going on, especially in the club where I thought, oh, they're going to do the cutting with the lights, whatever. But no, there's a lot of long takes of him just beating up thugs, and it's great. Seeing what's going on is such a low bar to clear, but most action movies can't do it worth a damn. It's... No. And it's funny. Yeah, action is probably one of my favorite genres, but I can't stand most action movies of the last 20 years because they're mm-hmm. all cut. They're all so choppy. I can't tell what's happening and mm-hmm. or you, you just can't see it. The geography is unclear. It's just most action is terrible, but this is gorgeously yeah. done. And sometimes it falls on how it's filmed or who's doing the fighting because you have to make a decision as a director. Do I have if it's say it's an actor who isn't really prepared in fighting choreography and it punches aren't don't look real that's when they'll add a bunch of cuts or whatever just to make it all jumbled to make it look like there's something going on but in my personal opinion just make the actors look bad in terms of the actions just so we understand what's going on but, i'd rather understand than be completely yeah, that's our film school brain of why some action scenes are really poorly edited is because they're trying to hide mistakes but but, they, that but they're breaks immersion too it breaks immersion. And then you're, like, because whoa, you're trying whoa, to figure whoa, out whoa. what's going on. I'd rather say, yeah. oh, this looks bad than I can't tell what's happening because at least mm-hmm. at least if I'm saying this looks bad, I'm paying attention to the movie. But if I'm trying to say what's going on, I'm not really I'm For not sure. really paying attention, am I now? 
Before we move on to the care, the little characters, I just want to go real quick about the costumes and the Batmobile. I think the more I was watching this movie, I thought Robert Pattinson's suit looked amazing. Mm-hmm. It's rudimentary, but it's it works. Yeah, he's got the gauntlets. He's got the taser fingers. It's not the taser fingers. I just like saying that. He's got the bat symbol, which is the gun that might have killed his parents, which is fucked detail. That is fucked. That was... Was that ever confirmed? It was never confirmed in the movie, but I think someone working on set said something. So I I assume that's true, but either than that, it's crazy. The Batmobile, aesthetic-wise, doesn't look like anything. But that's because this is a quote-unquote realistic Batman world. And I think they knock it out of the part. When it's first booted up and you see the penguin's re- reaction to it, beautiful. And, and it takes so long for that car to go at them because it's all about fear. This is a master class of filmmaking. And guess what? It's not going to be nominated for anything because the industry hates comic book movies. It's true. But you know what? Oscars, I'm going to say it. Oscars, don't hate me on this for years later. I don't think nominations matter or the winners matter because not anymore. They used to make not they anymore. Used to be, they used it to used mean to, something, but now it's just yeah. It's bought. It and used paid to for mean them. something, especially with this year and the past few years. I could go on a rant about a certain actor who won an Oscar and shouldn't have because he was in the movie for fifteen fucking minutes. I'll do it later on. Okay, just, can you just tell me who it is? I'm curious. It's Mark Rylance. Okay. He beat out Sylvester Stallone oh, and yeah, Creed. Oh, that, yeah. That, I was, he's in the movie for 15 minutes on Bridge of Spies. I remember that. Credit to, credit to his name. He was a good, he did he was a decent good job. Movie. But he was in it for 15 minutes. No. Sylvester Stallone has played the character for over 30 years. You give him that Oscar. 40 years now. 40. He's done now because he's too old. But he, did, he played the character for 40 years, and he put his heart and soul into that movie, Get, it gets me riled up. And my friends disagree with me about the 15-minute thing. I'm like, no. This is, no. I will not let this go. However, this movie, The Batman, has amazing characters, and they should all be nominated. Everybody was giving it their all here. 100%. And they all knocked it out of the park. I think Zoe Kravitz embodied Selena Kyle, Robert oh. Pattinson's... Maybe my favorite version, on-screen version of Batman now. I'm still mulling it over, but I, I'm, I'm thinking I'm leaning towards. I haven't watched the, the Tim Burton one since I was like four or five, so I have to go back and watch those. Yeah. But Let's see. Jeffrey Wright was fantastic as Gordon. Here's a hot take. Val Kilmer is underrated. I don't care what anybody says. He did. He tried. Batman Forever in general is underrated. I, can't, I don't he know about Val part. Kilmer. Val Kilmer was actually Bob Kane's favorite Batman while he was still alive. He tried. He did okay. The creator of Batman said Val Kilmer was his favorite. Sorry, co- co-creator. I don't want. There we to, go. Um, yeah. <laughs> there I, you I, go. I, I don't want to discredit Bill um, Finger like he Bill has Finger, been for the yeah. last eighty years. Can't do that. I think what the only thing Bob contributed, he tried to contribute like the really the bad costume. Yeah, the name, and then he he came up with the name, and there was a really bad like red costume with like. Anyway, Bill Finger did. I think he came up, Bill Finger did, I think, Robin and the costume, the city of Gotham. I think the Batmobile and the gadgets, the Batcave, too. I think he came up with the Joker as well. He just, 
Like basically Man, everything right about Batman is Bill Finger and Bob Kane's was the only name on Batman for like mm-hmm. 70 years. I think Batman v Superman was the first ver- version, the first adaptation of Batman to say created by Bob Kane and Bill Finger. And that was 2016, yeah. people. Batman was created in 1939. That's how long it took for Bill Finger to get mainstream credit. Uh, let's talk about the Batman. <laughs> also, fun fact, Wonder Woman was created by a Canadian. Fun fact. He was Canadian? I think so. I, I, might, be mixing up, I might be mixing up superheroes, but I'm pretty sure. Cause on one, you, know, you remember the Canadian Heritage commercials? Oh, yeah, yeah. That was Heritage one of Minutes? Yeah, you yeah, know yeah. another fun fact about him is? What's that? He also created the lie detector. That is it. That's true. This is the same guy. The guy who created Wonder yeah. Woman created the lie detector. Yeah. Yeah. He, the more you know. Which is why he made the lasso of truth. Because he was about truth. Out of rainbow as a dude. The more you know. I'll just give you more editing tips. Anyway. Before we move on, we have to talk about the other characters. Um, especially Zoe Kravitz. She was fantastic. Granted, I have not seen Batman Returns since I was little. Or the Halle Berry movie, but I think she is the best Catwoman that I've seen. I can't go because that far she. Sorry, you. Just because she, like you said, she embodies the character of the the lower class lifestyle that she's in. Just the her whole demeanor, her. I don't know if it's confidence, but Selena Kyle is a notoriously confident character, so. The way she portrays the character, her chemistry with Robert Pattinson, Very even good. though they're in like these scenes. I saw some criticism where she wasn't in it enough. I thought she was in it for a perfect amount of time, but the only reason why people think she's not in enough is because they want to see more of her. And that's so a good I definitely thing. think she could get her own show or movie. I would love to see her own movie, to be fair, but this is a this is a an era of comic book movies and tv shows where it's mostly shows for these smaller named characters they're giving the penguin so, his own show spin-off that's right giving their own penguin their own show but what did you think about zoe kravitz i thought zoe kravitz was fantastic i've seen batman returns a little bit more recently than you have so i think michelle pfeiffer is still my favorite just because just what her dynamic with michael keaton and just her her portrayal is iconic. It's so good. I don't know if I can quite dethrone Pfeiffer yet, but Zoe yeah. Kravitz to me, especially I've read a lot of Batman comics in the last 10 years and Zoe Kravitz in particular embodied the role of Tom King's Batman. Mm. That whole run is famous for focusing very heavily on the romance between Batman and Catwoman. And so Catwoman was in the comics probably more regularly than ever before during that run of Batman and Zoe Kravitz to me is that version of the character a very yeah like she's so spot on Michelle Pfeiffer is a bit more Tim Burtony version of Catwoman she's very she's very out there I do think she she is she's very good at she embodies Catwoman of a certain era Mm mm-hmm but uh, oh yeah, I also really like Julie Newmar from the '60s. She was fantastic back then. Too. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm not saying that she's better than Michelle Pfeiffer, just from what I remember. I think Zoe Kravitz is up there because obviously Michelle Pfeiffer, Michelle Pfeiffer, 
Michelle Pfeiffer is top tier, and I I remember I've seen clips, I've seen some of her scenes as Catwoman, even the emotional scenes, and she kills it too. I just think Zoe Kravitz empowers the modern Catwoman, where she's very she's very tough, and she doesn't give a she doesn't give a crap about what men think about her because she will kick them in the nuts. She's a strong woman. She's definitely an icon for 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 everybody for and an insp- inspiration for fans who are women or who are men who read these comic books or watch the movies, excuse me. My co-host has disappeared. So this is my podcast now. All the rules are gone. I can do whatever I want. I go on a spiel. This is close up with Ryan. This is close up with Ryan. But I agree, Zoe Kravitz is inspirational, and I wouldn't, okay, I can't say she's a good role model because she's a burglar, but she's... I meant in the sense of... I know. Female empowerment. Representation. I'm not talking about the crime, people, all right? Yeah. But in terms of representation, yeah, she's probably uh, one of the strongest female characters I've seen in a comic book movie for a long time. And not in that, like... Captain Marvel way where it's just mm-hmm. women are I don't like the way they did something like Captain Marvel because it feels well I, I hesitate to say preachy but it just it doesn't feel genuine mm-hmm. it just feels like to make to make a strong female character you have to make all the other men look stupid around her or just make her so overpowered that nobody Captain Marvel kind of is like that anyway. But Joe, men are stupid. And Captain Marvel is the only smart person in that movie. But I just, yeah. <laughs> they did the same Except thing. Except Stan with, Lee. They did the He's same thing with someone like Ray too. It's just. Oh no. <laughs> I, <know. laughs> I don't want to get on this tangent, but I just. Like, strong female characters aren't necessarily the most powerful, smartest in the room all the time. They should just be well-written characters. Mm-hmm. And I think Hollywood misses them. It's like strong female characters written by men who think that women want to see the male fantasy of macho, toughest guy in the room, can kick all kinds of ass. Like, that's how mm-hmm. these female characters are being presented. They're basically just the masculine ideal, but women are doing it now. And I think that's because men are still writing most of these characters. But so we yeah, they need to they need to put on some. And I feel like I don't know who's got the writing credits for this movie, but there was one moment co-author. I don't remember. Yeah, there was a moment where she has. Oh, we even talk about the contact lens, contact lens uh, gadgets where she put you put contact lens in. Batman does, and it basically takes a video of everything. Yeah. So he gives that to selena kyle to go into the iceberg lounge because he needs information about a certain someone i can't remember about about her friend that's missing and Uh, i I don't think was he (sighs) sorry i'm just to find anna i think right i don't think that's what he was doing it for i think he was she was looking for anna he was trying to id people yeah yeah to to id people i don't remember who he was looking for though I think he was maybe looking for, like, maybe the next target or whatever. Maybe Falcone. Maybe, um... 
Rata Alada, who knows? Anyway, but there she's walking through, and you just see through her POV all the men staring at her, and then Robert Pattinson makes a comment like, a lot of guys staring at you, huh? And then she goes, well, now you know what it's like. Yeah, that, It's such a little moment, but that does make you... F- understand the power of the male gaze which is not done well in most movies but i think here it was subtle and it's done done pretty well my point before was as badly written as a lot of strong female characters are nowadays zoe kravitz's catwoman is just well you know keep in mind this is a man watching and not that my opinion is worthless but i i'm not always privy to what is being done wrong but mm-hmm. I think she was handled pretty well as a as a character. I think she stole some scenes in this movie. Yeah, hundred percent. Um, and I think a surprise, a surprising performance for me, and I'll explain why was Colin Farrell as Penguin, because when I saw him in the makeup and the behind the scenes, I thought he was gonna do like the Arkham games or the cartoon, where he's doing like ah 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 ah. But he plays it, he just plays it like a mob boss who unfortunately is kind of ugly. But he plays it very well and Colin Farrell is very good at transforming in terms of makeup into a certain character and he just plays the role of the mob boss who just happens to have the penguin's name very well. He gets a few laughs. This whole movie is full of just, it's got good humor but it's just subtle and it's not forced humor. There's a great scene in when Batman wakes up after getting knocked out and he's in the police headquarters or whatever. Yep. And he's fighting off the police and one of the top guys is like, I got you for assaulting a cop. And he goes, no, you got me for assaulting three. <laughs> it's just like, he doesn't give a fuck. And also later on where he has to punch Gordon... And then oh, they, yeah. talk, they talk you about it later. your punches. I did. Yeah, that part. It's so funny. It's just you don't have to have this forced humor. It could just be even these like little things where it's not funny to him, but it's funny to us watching it. And with Colin Farrell, I'd argue it's funny now, to him, too. He's just doing a deadpan. Yeah. <laughs> Colin Farrell, back to being the penguin, especially during the car chase, he he's just having so much fun. He's having so much fun doing the car chase and be like, and when he thinks he's gotten away and he's like, hi, I got you. But then he jump, and then Batman jumps through the fire. Great shot when he's upside down. There's a, <laughs> there's a great moment where I, I laugh cause it's supposed to be serious. But when Batman is looking at the penguin and the penguins upside down and you see Batman's like head go through the window, I just want a, a still of that. Because it looks ridiculous. I thought he was going to say something like snarky. If it was a Marvel movie, he'd probably make a joke. But he was just yeah. looking down at him like... And I thought he was going to be like, sup? <laughs> That's probably going to be a meme, you're right. He looks ridiculous looking down. But that's that whole scene is perfect. I don't know how much more I can go off of the Penguin, but you go ahead. I don't think I have much to say about the Penguin. He turned in a great performance. I'm looking forward to seeing what his show looks like. I think they decided to do this show instead of they were going to do a Gotham PD show, I think starring Jeffrey Wright in this universe. I loved it. But yeah, I think that's also too similar to Gotham, which 
didn't. I mean, he could be in the Penguin show. Yeah, he probably will be because if you're having these mobsters, they need antagonists, right? And well, the GCPD are a natural antagonist. Boo, Boo police. Anyway, we're coming up on our our time limit here. Should we uh, talk about what we want next? I just want to see if I have anything else to just blaze through. Uh, let's see. I thought the ending was inspiring. Like I was saying, it embodies Batman. It's just, he's literally carrying the torch, leading people out. That's just, the ending is stuck in my mind that way. Yeah. That's got a, a lot of shots in this movie where it could be a poster. Yeah. I think most of them could be. Uh, what else do I have here? He, I think the Riddler would probably be a way more impactful. Well, not impactful, but the Riddler was great. Oh, we talk about the Riddler. Paul Dano was great in it. It was very, it was a very twisty movie. I loved the riddles, the clues, and he. I think he would have had a way more. He would be a way more. Like people would be talking about him way more if Heath Ledger hadn't broken the mold for this kind of gritty comic book villain mm-hmm. so long ago. But I think his performance is up there in terms of. Not that he's better than Heath Ledger, but he's in the upper echelon up there. I think he's un- right under him because Heath Ledger set the bar. Like the Dark Knight movie is not about the Dark Knight, which is weird. It's about the Joker. Yeah. And he does a phenomenal job. And Paul Dano, if you want someone who is mentally insane, you cast Paul Dano. If you've ever seen Prisoners, you, you understand why. And he does a phenomenal job, especially in the prison scene. Like, he doesn't have that much on-screen time. But that beginning scene, I was scared out of my mind. Like, how is this movie PG? That's insane. It's like we're... It's PG-13, isn't it? No, it's PG. I looked it up. PG. I think it's PG in Canada. I think Americans have a higher... Oh, does it? Oh. Like, in Canada, what's, like, NC-17 or... Is that what it's... Yeah. NC-17 is R in the U.S., but R in Canada is... Our ratings are a little like Quebec yeah. is probably like G, <laughs> you know, it's ridiculous. But I just this being a PG movie is like it being back in the 80s, because back in the 80s, if someone was PG, that means it's something's messed up in it. Yeah. And like, that's what I felt watching this, especially the opening when Paul Dano is just standing behind the mayor for like a good minute. Like, they hold on this creepy moment for a while. That's why I love this movie, because it takes its time. And Mm -hmm. he's just staying behind the mayor while the mayor's doing his normal day thing. Just the thought of you doing your normal day thing, like, you're getting ready for bed or whatever, and there's just a guy in, in the corner or right behind you, just, like, waiting. He has every moment. Every moment throughout the whole time he's standing there is a perfect time for him to attack, but he's reveling in in the chaos that he's about to ensue he's completely in darkness you get the whole character without even seeing his face until the very like you understand exactly who this guy is just how he is looking he's meticulous he's a planner he's psychopathic but also bruce has shown stalking a lot of people too so maybe there's a parallel to draw there my theater was dead quiet during that scene and there's, there's also, before we go, I thought they were going to reveal that the Riddler knew Bruce Wayne. That was, was fantastic. Bruce Wayne was Batman, and I thought, I was like, oh my god, already? But then he's like, Bruce Wayne, we almost got him. And there's a moment where Robert Pattinson's Batman just goes, 
I want him to do, I, I don't know why, but just because maybe I'm like so used to Marvel, I want him to go, just like a big, just breath of fresh air, but he just plays it off so well. He's like, they got me. They tricked me there. They tricked everyone. Uh, uh, okay. So another thing I wanted to say as well, I, I'm not a hundred percent, but oh, okay. I'll get to what I was thinking, but what did you think of the twist that Thomas Wayne wasn't a squeaky clean billionaire. He did he did a bad thing. Well, to be fair, I had played parts of the Telltale games. I was going to say Telltale. Yep. And when I when I first played that, I was kind of just like that's kind of that's a weird plot line, but sure, I guess it works for this game. And I understand why they would want to use it for here because the Telltale games aren't that well known especially the Batman ones. And the second one was fantastic, though. The I haven't played the second one. I haven't even played through the first one, but I know they're great. The first I, one I know it's okay. not well known. The second one I, is great. And I think for this version of Batman, it makes sense because it is realistic. Let's be honest. All politicians are... Billionaires. Billionaires. Corrupt, in a way. They At will least a use, little bit. A little bit. Nobody's no a- one's perfect. Like yeah. if you th- if you're out there and you think like this is a really bad example, but if you think Justin Trudeau hasn't asked someone to pay something off or done something, he probably has. This is a really bad example because he's got like but a I million could- scandals. Yeah, I can't I can't think of another. Couldn't think of another name. Obviously, Doug Ford has. By the way, this we're Canadians, so if you don't know these names, I don't blame you. But other than that, everybody's got something. With the twist that Thomas Wayne had done some shady stuff. I wasn't like, oh my God, what? His dad did that? I was kind of like, yeah. Because I'm, I'm a bit more adult now where I'm coming to understand that, yeah, you kind of have to do some shady stuff on the side in order to get things done. But the whole... Bef- bef- sorry, before I ask your opinion about it, but the whole of him like, no, I didn't ask you to... I didn't want you to kill him. I just wanted you to be like, yo, can you just like tell him to shut up with the reporter or whatever? And then he... There's hinted at that Balcony might have killed him. We don't know for sure. That's another mystery. But what are your thoughts on it? Yeah, I I thought pretty much instantly while watching it, I thought, well, I don't know if this was in any comics before, but I think Matt Reeves stole this from the Telltale games because that's the only place I've ever seen Mm -hmm. that plotline play out. And I actually liked it a lot in the Telltale games just just for something different, just to say... Just the idea that the Batman did everything he does for good, he does in his parents' honor. And to find out that his parents may not have been great people, you know, in the Telltale game, I think they were flat out mobsters, but in this, he he just did a bad thing. It just, it makes it, it kind of recontextualizes the whole thing because he's, yeah. he looked at his parents through a child's eyes. And in a child's eyes, a lot of times their parents are, well, unless they're absolute monsters, a lot of times you see them as pretty good until you're old enough to realize their flaws. And he was pretty young when his parents died, so it's not surprising he would mm-hmm. idolize them. What color did you make your back computer in the Telltale games? I made mine red. Blue. Blue. I know there was like yellow and purple. There were some people who did purple. I was like, that's pretty cool. This is too colorful for me. <laughs> you should have done pink. Sure. <laughs> it should have been. It should have had all colors. Yeah. Green would have been too positive. Anyway, but we we, we got to move on. Yeah, it was good. The I just I enjoy that twist. I kind of like 
that for this version, they didn't go full on with the mobster route that he was in bed mm-hmm. with the mob. But I do like that Thomas Wayne wasn't totally squeaky clean. Martha had her problems too. The Waynes were on the whole pretty good for billionaire philanthropist public. Oh yeah. I also really, Oh yeah. That's another great with Martha, twist. right? Yeah. Martha was, um, she had some breakdowns, got thrown into an asylum or something. Arkham, which I think is a nod to the Flashpoint Martha. Oh yeah, because Martha in that universe becomes yeah she went Joker. Spoiler alert: becomes the Joker. Yeah, it was over ten years ago that that movie came out, but yeah, whatever. So when when I saw that, I was like, "How is this gonna play into whatever?" And it's not really her story is not really mentioned that much. It's more of Thomas Wayne, but I kind of wanted to know more. About why she was going insane. I can't exactly remember what I think. I think it was just hereditary. That might have been it. Yeah. I think she said it was hereditary. Her parents killed themselves or her mom killed her father or something like that. Oh, that's right. You're right. Yeah. The other thing I was going to say is I like that in this version, Thomas Wayne's billion dollar fund was appropriated by the corrupt, the most corrupt people in the city and just used Mm -hmm. to to line their pocket. That, that was why the Riddler went bad in the first place was because this, this fund that was supposed to go to orphans and help the troubled of Gotham's lower classes just Didn't see any of it just went to the cops and the politicians and the crim and the gangsters Those and bastards. They took everything. And that's another reason why I think he's going to end up being Bruce Wayne the persona, mm-hmm. the alter ego in the next one, because he now he knows that you can't just throw money away at the problem because the problem runs too deep. People are going to take advantage of things like that. He needs to be a figurehead in charge of some Wayne Enterprises and be the guy, the public face to steer the ship of morality to say, okay, this is I am overseeing. This is where I want my money to go. This is where the Wayne fortune and focus is going to be. And I will make sure it doesn't get misused like my father's good intentions did. And I think that it opens up the doors for a sequel story. 100%. Where he maybe starts exposing the corruption within Wayne Enterprises itself because it's probably there. Mm -hmm. Maybe bring in Lucius Fox. I don't know. Yeah, I think there's a lot of there's a lot of potential for what you use for your next movie because it is. Conf- I want to see Robin. I I don't know if it's maybe it's because I'm not that big of a fan of Robin. Like I there's there's different Robins that I love. Like I don't know why Jason Todd's my favorite because he becomes Red Hood and he just looks. Tim Drake's my favorite. Tim Drake's pretty cool. Um, Nightwing's great. But um, I think he needs at least one more movie and then you bring Robin just because I want to see him. I won't be mad if Robin gets brought in in the second movie. I think I need it. I need it because yeah. we've had, I don't know how many. What's wrong with Chris O'Donnell? <laughs> Chris O'Donnell, I think they actually did a pretty decent telling of Robin's origin story in Batman Forever. It was, it was decently handled. That's the origin story I know. Yeah. But I do want to see... Even well, the biggest problem with Chris O'Donnell, yeah, that, that's I was gonna say. That's the biggest problem with Chris O'Donnell is he was too old. Get a Robert Pattinson has said if you're gonna bring Robin, it has to be a kid. Yeah, like it has. 
I was thinking it could be that orphan, the mayor's kid. I was about to say, I've heard people talk about that, but Matt Reeves has said, no, it's not going to be him, but he has ideas for where a Robin could go. And I think that's better because I want to see a, yeah. I want to see a comic accurate Robin, maybe, you know, bring in Dick Grayson, the circus boy. Yeah. I think it, I want to see an actual version of Robin done really well in a mainstream movie. I'm sick of Batman being the loner. There's a whole bat family out there. We have, okay, we have, you can't uh, go we through have, all of them. We don't, we don't, I'm gonna, we don't I'm have time. Batman, Nightwing, <laughs> we don't have time for this. Red Hood, uh, Red Robin, Damian Wayne, spoiler, uh, Cassandra Kane, <laughs> um, Batwoman, Batwoman, Kate Kane, Azrael, Azrael, and there's even more. Alfred, Alfred, <laughs> Luke Fox, Batwing, Lucius Fox. Can we talk about Damian Wayne's the, the worst signal. Robin? Can we talk about Damian Wayne as the worst Robin? He's just a little shit. He's gotten better. He's gotten better, but when he was introduced, he's such a little shit. Anyway. Yeah. I think what I want to see in the next Batman is just him being a Bruce Wayne. Wow. Just him being Bruce Wayne a little bit more. And I think the villain I want to see is either Scarecrow or Mr. Freeze. Even though they they did do hints of the Joker. I don't want to see the Joker in number two. I don't two. want to see the Joker. Make him the third. Maybe cap off your trilogy if you're doing a trilogy. They're I think trilogy. I want to see, I want to see either Mister Freeze done right or Scarecrow done super well on screen because he was he was done. Matt Reeves has said he has ideas for a grounded Mister Freeze. Hmm. So I, I mean, cities underwater. I don't really want to see Scarecrow just because we've seen Scarecrow and Batman Begins. I feel like if we're gonna get a new villain. Yeah, but he was on screen for like 15 minutes. He wasn't the... I wanted him to be like the main villain. Okay, what other Batman villains are there that would be cool? I don't know, something like... I mean, but it has to be your main guy, though, so it has to be someone... Like, it could be the Penguin, but I feel like he's more no. of just like a... Penguin's gonna be a background Like a middle character. guy, yeah, yeah. Middle guy right now. You could even do... I mean, they've even said some of the cast have said Court of Owls. They kind of want to do that. I think somebody said, it may have been Matt Reeves, I think he said he maybe wanted to do Hush too. Hush would be great. Hush would be pretty good because you could actually tie that into put us on the writing team because you have him trying to be Bruce Wayne, but here's this other guy being Bruce Wayne. So there's, there's all that, but... How about Deathstroke? I know when Ben Affleck was going to write the Batman, he wanted... I think yeah. Deathstroke was planned to be the main villain for that. I don't know if he could do main but i mean in this grounded reality probably but like this brutal bounty hunter <laughs> going on for an oh, hour sorry. and we need we need to move on <laughs> all right so let's wrap overall up. the movie's great i think it's a 10 out of 10 i would watch it again what do you think of the nirvana song i don't really listen to nirvana but i like the song that in this context right, fair enough fair enough the Batman is the, the Batman movie I've always wanted to see my entire life. I've liked every version of Batman I've seen at some point. I liked Michael Keaton, Val Kilmer, even the George Clooney one has its charms. He was cast okay. It was just written. It was executed poorly. Yeah. Adam West, Kevin Conroy. Kevin Conroy, so good. Christian Bale. Just I've liked every adaptation of Batman. Okay, I'm not going to count the animated one right now just because that's in another ballpark. But in terms of live action Batman, 
This is the Batman adaptation I've wanted to see my entire life. It goes right to the roots of the Batman character, his themes, and even when he was first introduced in Detective Comics number 27 in, I think, 1939, he was this brooding vigilante detective who fought mobsters and tried to clean up his city. And it was, it was gritty. It was realistic. This Batman is ripped right out of the original vision of Bob Kane and Bill Finger. And I know it can go, it'll probably extend more into the other Batman mythos later, but just in terms of everything I could ever ask for in a Batman movie is here. And I love it. It's so good. Good job, everyone. You did a good job. That's to the cast and crew of the Batman. They'll never see this, but if they do, good job. Okay, so we, uh, you ready? You ready to move on? And last week, we had a little surprise. We had a Kenobi teaser trailer, and it was pretty damn good. Now, I will say one thing I'm worried about. I know it's a teaser trailer, but it looks like they're kind of doing the same thing they did with the Boba Fett one, where it looks like Kenobi's not in it as much, and there's I have a fear that like at least one episode, maybe even two is going to be dedicated to the Inquisitors. Yeah, I am worried about I want to I'm worried about that. I'm just going to reiterate here just for the people who skipped ahead. We're going to be discussing everything seen in the first Kenobi trailer that just came out a couple days ago or mid-March. And we are also going to be discussing anything the creators have openly said will be in this thing. So if you know absolutely nothing about Kenobi so far, don't want to know anything, sorry about this. But leave a like. Sure. Or just watch our Batman part if you skipped over it. Rewatch the Batman part again and then come back here and then watch it again if you don't want to. It's a great movie. (laughs) If If you're not into comic books, just. Why are you here? But stay here. We like you. I'm sure there's a lot of overlap between Star Wars and superhero fans i would assume so or two of them but uh why don't you start off what you liked about the trailer okay what i liked about the trailer is everything (laughs) yeah i look obi-wan kenobi is my favorite star wars character of all time and we'll get into that i'll get into a a little bit more about why kenobi means so much to me on our on the episode of Close Up when we discussed the Kenobi show, but he's my favorite. I love Alec Guinness, but Ewan McGregor is the Obi-Wan I grew up with. He's the one that made me love the character so much, and I am beyond excited to see him back for this. And I have always wanted to see what Obi-Wan's life was like in the years between Revenge of the Sith and A New Hope. He's I always imagined it's kind of like you see in this trailer. His his entire world crumbled around him. He was taken from a very young age, like all Jedi, raised in this order, taught certain ideals, raised in a democracy. And then the guy he trained was the one who destroyed it all and turned the democracy into a dictatorship. Whoopsie. And he thinks he had to kill his best friend. I don't know if he knows Anakin is alive and, and turned into Vader. In this version, that Probably would be a cool find thing out to find out. The show, yeah, but just that would just break a person, I'm sure. And 
He's got his mullet back. Yeah. Everyone who missed the mullet, it's back. So the very concept of this show, that we would see what happened to Obi-Wan after, explore this man as he tries to come to terms with what happened in Revenge mm -hmm. of the Sith, and maybe come out of retirement for one last job, well, second last job maybe, because A New Hope was his last job. But, yeah. yeah. I just want to see a, a deep character study about this man and his changing worldview and how he learns to hope again after mm -hmm. his whole world was taken away from him. And I, I just hope it doesn't, I am worried somewhat that we are seeing him go off planet and fighting inquisitors and having adventures. And, you know, it's a star Wars show. I, I would want to see some action and adventure, but I don't want it to be at the expense of this character study because yeah. I think that's where the mural meat of this show is. That's where my, that's where the appeal lies. And I, I don't want to see them forego it just for surface level action. 100%. I love seeing Joel Edgerton's back. I didn't think he'd be back. That was a shock. He's a very underrated actor. And the fact that his career wasn't that much when he was in the Star Wars universe. And then he built his career over time. And now he's back. And now he's... It's weird for me to say that he's B-list because he's not in that much. But if you know who he is, he's an excellent actor. I have the same thoughts as you where I've seen a lot of people like, oh, if they don't go off world and they're stuck on the sand planet, it's going to be boring. But I feel like it's going to be. It's going to hurt the character if he leaves Luke at all off world. However, what I'm worried about is the the Inquisitors are in it. We recognize most of them. There's Grand Inquisitors in it. I think the second or third brother, whatever his name is, he's in the Rebels. He was like in season two. And there's the new Inquisitor that we don't know much about. I think her name is Reva or something Reva. that they've released. She might be the first one because we never know who the we never know who the first Inquisitor is. We know who Grand Inquisitor second, but we don't know who the first one is. So she might be it. And what I'm worried about is them taking over this show over Kenobi because like you said I really want to know what Kenobi's been through between Revenge of the Sith and A New Hope and I hope it's not like in some comics where they've interacted before Kenobi and Luke I want there to be I don't care if they do it for every episode I want there to be like hundreds of missed miss calls where Inquisitor's so close to getting to Luke and then Obi-Wan just straight up is like saves him. And my hope for this was before I knew it was a limited series, but my hope was for them to do a live action version of when Obi-Wan and Darth Maul meet for the last time in the desert in Rebels. Spoilers for Rebels, I'm not spoilers for Rebels. Just a warning. It's the only good scene in that se season. I thought that was a great I season. I have a problem with Rebels. We'll, really? we'll go into it later on. Okay, I'm, I'm surprised at that. But during that scene, it's their, spoilers for Rebels, it's their last encounter 
There's so many great parts to it. We can go into deeper discussions in a different podcast. But I was hoping to kind of see that in live action. Just to see... Owen McGregor and then maybe even Ray Park do it live action. That would have been cool, but it looks like it's limited series and it's not going to happen. But that's more that's more for me. That's more fan service Yeah, I don't really want to see a recap, a live action redo of something we've already seen in a yeah. show. So just let the cartoon be the cartoon and have a new adventure. I'm happy they did Duel of the Fates in the trailer. That got my blood pumping. I was so hyped. It looks like... I what I mostly want to see is Ewan McGregor transition his version of Obi-Wan into Alec Guinness because Alec Guinness's version of it was the original and he's very closed off he's very like I'm just Ben Kenobi I'm not Jedi lightsaber they had the beard the beard stroke too yeah and I love Ewan McGregor's take on it it's a young he's a younger Jedi He's cockier, uh, the, he's more lively. Cockier. I just want to see that slow transition into character, but also, after watching this trailer, we don't know much in terms of the story. I'm interested to see what Hayden Christensen is going to do, because he's... I am so glad he's back. Confirmed back as Darth Vader. Is he the voice, though, of Darth Vader? I imagine not. Where is Kenobi? If he's going to do that, it's going to be bad. No, I think what We've seen Vader take off his helmet before. You know, sometimes he's in the back to tank and in Empire Mm -hmm. Strikes Back, he had his helmet off. I feel like if he's in the suit, it'll be James Earl Jones. If he's got his helmet off. I hope he takes off the helmet and it is James Earl Jones. (laughs) I think that'd be hilarious. Yeah, that would be funny. Or if they do Clone Wars flashbacks or something, you know, bring in Rosario Dawson. Yeah. You know, then he can just something. Like, see them live action in the Clone Wars. He's reminiscing on something important. But in terms of story, like you were saying, I do agree that it might potentially hurt the character somewhat if he, he's decided that his entire mission in his life is to protect Luke Skywalker. Chosen one. For, for later. He's the new hope. But if he's leaving Tatooine, there'd better be a really good reason. Yeah. Like, I don't want to see him just go because. And there are ways to do it where it's like, oh, Vader's on this planet mm-hmm. and you need to help. Here's my prediction, actually. So I've, I've heard some people mention how they think maybe the Inquisitors are on Tatooine for Luke Skywalker, that they just sense a disturbance in the Force like they sensed for Cal Kestis and mm-hmm. Jedi Fallen Order. Maybe Luke did something unintentionally, some people theorize, and the Inquisitors are there. Now, what I think might happen is if they're there for Luke, Obi-Wan is his protector, and this story is about him protecting Luke. Maybe he goes off-world to draw the Inquisitors away. They come to find a Jedi, and Obi-Wan is like, well, crap, they can't find that Jedi, so I'm (laughs) taking them away because I can do that. He'll be safe if I get them out of here. Right. That would be a good way for them to do it. And what I'm afraid of is we see two uh, out of this trailer. We see two two out of the three Inquisitors we've seen before. And we know their whole storyline of how they have begin and end. So it's kind of like, well... Where's the stakes? 
Kenobi can't kill him in this one, but then you see this new Inquisitor who is... Reva. Reva. Who is shown mostly in the trailer, even though it's like a minute and a half. I think so she seems to be the primary villain. Maybe the Inquisitor is there for like one or two episodes. The Grand Inquisitor, excuse me. There's a lot of Inquisitors, by the way. There's like nine. There's a shit ton. But yeah, I'm just... I just the only reason why I'm a little worried is because we're coming off of coming off of Book of Boba Fett. Our expectations for Disney Star Wars are very middling to low right now. Middling, but I love Kenobi, and I know that Uma McGregor is going to knock it out of the park because he's an excellent actor, and he loves this character. Yeah. He loves this franchise. He has so much respect for it. Is this Dave Filoni? No, I think it's Deborah Chow. Deborah Chow. She directed a few episodes of The Mandalorian. Okay. I don't remember okay. which ones, but they were good ones. Get me off Wikipedia. Yeah. And, again, I didn't know it was a miniseries. I thought it might be a bit longer. I'm fine with that, so, though, because... I'm fine with it, but now you have to do so much and so little. Like, you don't have to do so much. I'd rather they make a packed six-episode show than try to arbitrarily make it... How many episodes was Book of Boba Fett? Seven. seven. That was seven episodes, and they didn't even have enough plot for four, probably. Yeah. So I, I'd rather see a packed six-episode miniseries than a longer show that got dragged out. Just make it worth our time. The story will be however long it needs to be. Don't make it arbitrarily longer or shorter. I'd rather see this than a movie. I'm glad we're getting this much. That's true. Oh, Deborah Chow's Canadian. Cool. Good for you. So there's a chance for us. <laughs> there's a chance. Denny Villeneuve, yeah, James Cameron. I, there's oh, a couple of good directors. Up. So good. James Cameron's Canadian? Yep, he's from Niagara Falls. Well, of course he is. No wonder he's so rich. He's from Niagara Falls. <laughs> I think I heard that he named... The character from Titanic, Kaladin Hockley, based on Kaladin and Hockley mm-hmm. around this region. Interesting. I haven't seen Titanic, so. so. Okay. He's the bad guy from. I'm the- sorry, I'm not watching Titanic. I'm not waiting three hours for a boat to sink. I don't care what Spoilers! anybody says. Eh, stop. It's been 100 years. Stop. I'm not watching it. I know Leo and Kate. Kate Winslet? It's Kate Winslet, right? Kate Winslet, they do a phenomenal job. I've seen the scenes. It's a good I'm movie, not, though, man. I know it's a great movie. I'm not waiting three hours for a boat to sink. I'm not into that many romantic movies. And the way they do the sinking is phenomenal, but we're not talking about Titanic. We're talking about Kenobi. I did this to myself. I blame me and you. No, it's my me. fault. I said I brought up James Cameron. It's my fault. But yeah, I'm just, I love Obi-Wan Kenobi. I think he's my favorite. It goes back between him and Luke for me for favorites, especially Return of the Jedi, Luke. Yeah. I'm just worried because of Book of Boba Fett. And and that's why I'm already worried because seeing these inquis like they didn't just bring in inquisitors, they specifically brought in inquisitors from the Clone Wars know. and Rebels that we know already and as much as I love the fan service in Book of Boba Fett, it did bog that show down and I don't want to see them go the same route. It's, it's right. fun to bring back characters you know. It should be but it's it should the be a story. story. Yeah. yeah, it should be a story about Kenobi. And you can do that with these Inquisitors. But since we know who these Inquisitors are, 
the stakes aren't really there. It kind of goes back to, and this isn't Filoni's fault, this point I'm about to bring up, was the final season of Clone Wars where you see Ahsoka and Rex trying, escaping... Order 66. Order 66. It's fun to know how they did it, but it came after Rebels, it came after all this stuff. We know what happens. We know what happens. So the stakes weren't really there watching it, and a part of me wished that they had that seventh season before Rebels, because... It is, it is high stakes at that time, but yeah. since we know what happened after, we're just kind of like, oh, whatever. But so that's my worry. But I'm mostly excited because I love Kenobi. I love that we're getting a lightsaber heavy show. I feel like, even though we don't see Obi Wan light his during the show, but I feel like he'll do it at one part. I hope he doesn't do it much. He probably won't do it much because. If you think about it, yeah, you're going to get recognized instantly if you have a lightsaber. It happened to Cal Kestis. Yeah, a lightsaber is kind of... I'm trying to think of a real-world example here. Like, what's a symbol in the real world that you just... That if you wear it or use it, everybody, everybody kind of knows what you're... Like a name tag? Yeah, like a name tag or maybe like a military or a police uniform. Mm, it's like, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, if you yeah. see a uniform, you know who these people are a mile away. So yeah. igniting that lightsaber is just begging for trouble. Star Wars doesn't have that problem because everyone wears the same type of clothes. Yeah. So it could be Jedi, it could be Seth, could be a farmer. First of all, how do you how do you farm moisture? Uh, they haven't gone to that. So I hope that there's a whole episode on moisture farming. I mean, they have humidifiers and stuff. The moisture from... They better have a big humidifier. Also, why are you farming moisture? Anyway, they better have a whole episode, and I better hear it from Joel Hedgerton's perspective. I'm excited to see Moron and Maru. I hope they get mm. decently sized roles in this. Now, one thing I, I noticed in the trailer that I haven't seen anybody else bring up yet, but maybe it's just an intuitive thing, is how Obi-Wan looks super broken and worn down for most of the trailer except in that one scene when he's looking at luke skywalker now i don't think i see him smile or anything but the the happiest and most hopeful he looks in that whole trailer is just that one brief shot when he's looking at luke off in the distance and i think that communicates so much because he's just in daily life he's just worn down had enough but this one thing is keeping him going yeah and that's pretty cool. Just to I see. hope I see some of that too, where he there. I hope there's like maybe even an episode where like he's just had the worst day ever, and then he goes back to his little hideout where he sees Luke being you know being a kid and just being happy, and he's just like, yeah, that's great. And I hope I see a shot of the twin sons again, like in New Hope, because that part to me is is the best one of the best moments in the Star Wars franchise as a whole. The music's great. It's my favorite. When they played it, when they played it in the book of Boba Fett, when there, when it was spoilers, when it was Luke and Grogu looking out over the mountains, and they played the same track, I was like, "Oh, I love this." So I, I hope, I hope there's a lot of hope in this show, and there should be. There should be. We should probably rewatch Revenge of the Sith before watching the show. Now that I think about it, let's rewatch all the prequels. I've seen it so much as a kid that I don't know if I need to, but I'll just do it for fun. I know it all by heart. It's the best one. I've seen it 
last time I saw it was probably just before the rise of Skywalker. I did a lead up. Mm, I did that as well. But that was three years ago. So, okay. The one thing I wanted to was mention, it now, it? I just, I just, hmm? was it worth it? Yeah. Well, I mean, to see all the other movies again, <laughs> I should have skipped seven and eight though. We, one of our ideas is defending the sequels. Well, that's my idea. I don't know if you're going to defend no, it. No, I'll do it. I'll do, look, I'll do it because I, have you seen that TikTok where it's a theater reaction of her going, my name's Ray and then Ray Skywalker. And then the theater's going, Oh my God. And most of them are leaving before the credits. That's the only Star Wars movie I've ever seen that I walked out not happy with. Last Jedi was a delayed effect. I loved it when I walked out and then thought about mm -hmm. it harder. I liked Last Jedi, and then every time I've rewatched it, I've been like, no. It gets worse. There's so much wrong with this. Okay, but skipping back to Kenobi, I did want to mention one thing that I totally mm -hmm. forgot about until just when we were talking. Do you think... What are the chances you think a plot point in this show is going to be him learning the secret to immortality, maybe learning to be a force ghost, maybe communing with Qui-Gon Jinn, get a Liam Neeson cameo. Uh, what, are the, what are the chances I would love. of that? I just remembered that might be a thing. Possibly. You just blew my fucking mind. Because that's a big plot point. I think Liam Neeson has said, yeah, I'll come back for anything. Because he's, he's done cameos in Clone Wars. He's done yes. cameos in other animated stuff. And... He's not doing anything right now. So I would Obi and he, needing he to has learn. to learn. Yeah, he has yeah. to learn how to be a force ghost. That's a massive plot point for what we know for a fact he was doing in that 20 years. He was trying yeah. to learn this technique. And and Yoda said at the end of Revenge of the Sith, you know, I've been in contact with your old master, Qui-Gon, and he taught me this thing. And Yoda said, I'll, you know, I'll show you how to. And then Yoda and then in the Clone Wars, Yoda, you see Yoda go through that his uh, transition to learn immortality. So I want to see Obi-Wan go through a similar journey. Maybe you get that cameo. That would be so fantastic if we got you and Hayden and Liam Neeson back in one show. I hope it's a different journey, though. I hope it's like it's based on a certain character because if I... You see I don't need to see him meet the, the Wills. I don't want... Those were stupid. But if it has to do, was, do with was, him... Those were... Those were... No, it, it, it was fine. That was a George Lucas original. The Wills I were know, the original. I know. But it was, it was too preachy for me. I still enjoyed it. It's still fun. I love Star Wars when it gets weird like that. Yeah, I just hope I see him go on a little bit different journey. And if that involves some of the Inquisitors, like everyone has a different trial in terms of Star Wars. Like I, I've been rewatching Clone Wars. Spoiler alert for Clone Wars when Ahsoka is arrested for being blamed for a crime she didn't commit and then she's excommunicated from the jedi order she's banished and then it's revealed someone else did it and then they ask her to come back and mace windows like actually this was one of your trials this was your greatest trial and it's like Bull. bitch bullshit you are making stuff up you screwed me over and i'm out and she was like no i can't trust any of you and it's a great scene between her and anakin and we can go into the Clone Wars in a different segment, but or a different time. But um, we will talk about the Clone Wars and Rebels because apparently you don't like that show. It's it's just mostly Ezra. <laughs> I don't like Ezra as a character. Maybe I need to rewatch it though. The first season is look okay. My review of Rebels. First season's great. Second season's great. First season was the weakest one. I thought. 
Third season was I mean, the best one. That was the one with Thrawn. Oh, that's true. I just hate it. I just, I don't like Ezra. No, wait, you're right. First season was the weakest. You're right, you're right, you're right. Except you're right. for the last episode when they fight the Grand Inquisitor, season two, it picks up. Season three, they mm-hmm. finally leave Lothal and fight Thrawn the whole time. I haven't watched season four, but I know, I know what happens. Season four was fantastic as well. Is that when it got canceled, like, halfway through? It didn't get canceled. It did end on its own terms. Oh, okay. Because it, it was set a certain length of time before A New Hope, so it was always mm. going to have a... I think it was set just a couple years before A New Hope, so it pretty much ends... You're right. Right yeah, near because when that's one when, starts. Because Alec Guinness... I think... If I'm not mistaken, it's implied that... No, that doesn't make sense. Because there's a shot where... Obi-Wan is looking out to Luke during Rebels, yeah. and Luke is on the same like little hill looking out to the sun, but it's it's completely different time. It has to be. I thought it'd be like the same time during New Hope, but it has to be. Because Alec Guinness, the... It's only Obi-Wan a few years still before. has like a little bit of color in his beard, so... Yeah, the Alec Guinness one... The Rebels version was only a couple years before A New Hope. This is about ten years. You will this never find the more wretcheds. Hide of scum, scum and scum. villainy. <laughs> and then you look around and freaking Chewbacca's there and you go, Hey! How dare you? Give that guy a medal! Yeah. I mean, they did. But well, <laughs> they were like, here. <laughs> That's how they did it. They're like, oh, here, I guess. She left this for you. Don't you love how they gave him a medal in episode nine, but Leia didn't even give him a hug when Han died? <laughs> <laughs> did they not hug? No, she hugged Ray for some reason. Whatever. Okay. No oh, more yeah, sequel talk. Oh, yeah, that was the anyway. I think that's all that we. That's have. all we got. That's all we got so far. We're about uh, at the hour and a half mark. We're about the hour and a half mark. Yeah. Let's end up. So we talked about the Batman. It's fantastic. We talked about Kenobi. We're excited, hesitant though, because the Book of Boba Fett was. We have PTSD. Yeah, and just Disney Star Wars has been so hit or miss that I don't know if they can do it justice, but I have I have confidence that they will. Everything looks good. They got the so right far. people involved. Yep. And that'll do it for this episode of Close Up. Ryan, you want to plug your socials? Yeah, you can follow me on Instagram and TikTok at Ryan Walker Official. Okay, and as usual, I don't really use social media, but you can find me at Thought Plane Media on Instagram, and you can find further film discussion and entertainment reviews on thoughtplane.ca forward slash articles. And if you'd be so kind, you can support Thought Plane Media on Patreon, link below. Also, be sure to leave us comments and reviews, as that's a big help. And how about clicking that like button if you enjoyed this? We hope to see you on the next close-up with Ryan and Joe. Till next time. See ya.